truth that we have for today is God's Word. Nothing else can stand the test. God's Word has for centuries. Let's go in there and look at God's Word from Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. Let's read that, then we'll get right on in to looking at it, see what it's saying. And when they, as Paul and Barnabas, had preached the gospel in that city, Derby, and made this many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas, about the business of the work of the church. And this, before we get into the details of that, let's go and look at Matthew chapter 28 and remind us of the words that Jesus spoke before he left to go home to be with his Father. Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 18. And then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Amen. So here is the commission to the church. First of all, all authority is in Jesus. So where's Jesus? Here, right here. Okay. So I have all authority. As the church, we have all authority in heaven and in earth. What did he say to do? Go. He didn't say to sit still. He didn't say to, get, you know, well, I just don't have time today. No, he said go, go, go. And to do what? To make disciples. Make disciples. We're going to talk about that. What does it mean to make disciples? How do we go about doing that? Then he said to teach. He said to baptize. But then he said to teach. Teach them to do what? To do everything that Jesus said to do. All right. Now, that's great. But am I going to be alone? No. He said, I'll be with you. So, the commission to the church basically is you have the authority church to go and to make disciples and to teach them everything that they need to know and you're not alone because Jesus is with you. So that's what the church in book of Acts is doing. Going and fulfilling the commission of going and teaching and, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples. So here we have... In Acts chapter 14, we have Paul and Barnabas doing that. They have preached the gospel, to, and they are making disciples. Verse 21. So what does it mean to preach? Oh, you mean i got to be a preacher and stand up on Sunday morning behind a pulpit and preach the Word of God? No, that's not what it's saying. What does the word preach mean? In Greek, it means to proclaim by appointment an official representative of the king. That's what it means in the Greek language. So whenever anybody went out 
represent the king of that day, they were appointed to do so and to represent him wherever they went. All right? What does it also mean? It means highly regarded and access to the king. We're highly, they were highly regarded and they had complete access to the king. Why? So that they could understand what the king's message is, is so that they could share that message with the people. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, believers now. I'm talking about those who lived in that time. They were to represent the king and to speak the king's message. So they spoke what was on the king's mind and not what was on theirs. They didn't make anything up. They just went and shared what the king was thinking, what he wanted done at that time. So now, as a believer, it's the same thing. As a believer, we are representatives of Jesus Christ. At least that's what it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I can get that quicker than you can because I got my Holy Spirit paper clips today. Hallelujah. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. No, verse, yeah, 20. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we are representative of the ruling authority person to go out and share what was on Jesus' mind for that individual. That's all we have. We got to go and try to make something up. We, so therefore, we need to spend time in the presence of our King the King Jesus, so that we can understand what He wants and hear His Word, so that then we'll have His Word to be able to share what He wants done. So we need to, to learn how to present ourselves to bring people, bring honor to Jesus. Hallelujah. So we are ambassadors. We are God's representatives. And so what are we to do? We are to preach the gospel. Well, you know, you can turn on the news on TV and get all, all kinds of gospel. Isn't that good news that we hear all the time? No. That's what we ought to share, good news. People want to hear good news. And the only good news is Jesus himself. Everybody else has an opinion about this and what's taking place about that and how this ought to be accomplished. And listen to me, I've got the truth. No, there's only one truth, and that's Jesus. So, Jesus says now, we ought to preach the truth, preach the gospel, bring the good news. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's exciting to go into the world today and share the good news because people are so down and out. They don't know what's going. They don't know what's happening, but they need some good news. So, that's what a believer is supposed to do. So, I've got to be in the presence of Jesus to learn what he wants to be said, and then I go and open my mouth, out it comes. Just like this morning, uh, this, this morning, being able to share the Word of God. Uh, I open my mouth, <clears throat> there it comes, what Jesus once said, not what Frank once said. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I could say some things. Yeah, I've got a PhD, and i got all kinds of you know, intelligence and all that, but that's not going to reach you. I need to say what you need to hear, and the only person that knows what you need to hear is Jesus. So, as a believer, preach the gospel. Then, 
it said that they, in verse 21, they made many disciples. Make disciples. You just don't go and say, hey, um, you want to be a disciple today? Okay, go, go, go do it. <laughs> uh, no, you got to make them. Uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? There again, we're going to look at it in the Greek and say that it means someone who wants to learn and be taught. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, there are a lot of kids today that don't want to be taught in school. And uh, they don't want to listen to this, that, and the other. And a lot of people have got opinions. And listen, I know what's right and I know what needs to be done. Well, we've got to go and help them to learn, to hear what Jesus is saying and teach them. That's what making a disciple is all about. Uh, so, now what else does making a disciple mean? Well, let me put it to you this way. Um, I'm going to take you out to my car and I'm going to tell you now, I want you to rebuild this engine. Now go to it. Huh? You mean I got to rebuild your engine? I got to take it apart and put it back together? I don't know how to do that. You're right. You don't know how to do that. So, what needs to take place? You need to have someone train you and, and give you experience in putting that engine together. That's what the disciple is all about. You just can't go out and say, now go on, be a disciple. You've got to help them to have experience in that area. At least that's what the Jesus was doing with his disciples when he sent them out, you know, in the gospel, they sent them out, you know, and, and they came back and said, whoa, man, is all these miracles taking place just like you, Jesus? Well, see, so he was training them on the job experience. That's what making disciples is all about. Hallelujah. So, what does disciple mean? It means that it becomes not just part of my life, it is my lifestyle. I don't do anything else but that. So, oh boy, I can go do it now. I think I'll take off and I'm going to get some experience and I got it and I'm going to go on there and I'm gonna, I know what to do and I'm gonna, I got all these ideas of what needs to take place and, and no, wait a minute. Well, uh, Jesus didn't say now, uh, go on there. You know what to do. Go ahead and take care of it. Uh, you got it all together now. No, he said what? Follow me. Follow me. A disciple will follow Jesus. So, a disciple is one who is taught and learns and has on-the-job experience and also being able to... It, it's my life. It's not something that I just do part-time. It's full-time. And it's something that I do, I have to follow the leader. I'm not the leader. Jesus is. So, I'm going to follow Jesus. So, they were out making disciples. Well, uh, how then do you actually go about to make a disciple? Well, here in the context in which Paul and Barnabas, this verse 22, says they strengthened the souls of the disciples. In other words, they went back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Well, see, over in, uh, in chapter 14, uh, in verse 2, there were unbelieving Jews that stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds. In other words, they got all kinds of oh, wrong truths and, and, and all this stuff, and therefore 
they 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 had to be directed and and being able to uh, get them off into the right direction. So what did they have to do? They went back to where they led people to Jesus, and now they're helping them to get through all of these uh, deceitful ideas and poison ideas that have been thrust into their minds. Now they've got to go and help them and to make sure that they get off in the right direction to be a disciple. Well, so how do you go about doing that? Well, it tells us in Acts chapter 14, verse 22. First of all, strengthening the souls of the disciples. What does it mean, strengthening the souls? What's a soul? Well, that's your mind, your emotions, your feelings. Uh, your intellect, all of that that's not quite perfect. <laughs> no, far from it. Your spirit is full of Jesus. Your spirit is full of the Holy Spirit in you to bring forth Jesus, and you are perfect. Your spirit is perfect. It can't get any more perfect. But this stuff up here just hasn't reached that stage yet of being in perfection. So it needs to be trained in some way. It needs to be strengthened. So what does it mean to strengthen? It means to give empowerment. It means give ability. It means to give renewed vitality. Uh, have you ever had your uh, battery go dead? <laughs> yeah, you probably have. So what do you have to do to that battery? Recharge it. Recharge the battery to make it alive again. So that's what they were doing in strengthening the souls. They were recharging them with the truth of the Word of God to show them how to live, to show them what to do. Remember over in Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our minds have to be transformed. You've got to have a transformation up here. Kind of renew it with the Word of God. You've got to renew it with the Word of God so that then I can understand what the will of God is for my life, what He wants me to do, what His plan is for me, what He's called me to. So to strengthen the soul... I've got to be renewed in my mind. I've got to be renewed in my soul. Now, what else did they say to do? Exhorting them to continue in the faith. Oh, exhorting. I tell you right now, this is the way it needs to be done, and you go ahead and do it. No, that's not what exhorting is all about. You see, if I'm going to exhort someone, I'm going to encourage them. In other words, um, I'm going to walk with them, or right alongside with them, urging them, oh, you can do it. Get up. Come on now. You can do it. I'm with you. I'm going to stand with you. See, that's what exhortation would mean. I'm going to walk it out with you to help you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you're going to be exhorted. Helping one to make the right decisions for Jesus. So, when should I do this? Well, 
over in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's turn to Hebrews. We've got a couple of scriptures there in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, in other words, we come together, yeah, come together at church, or come together in a Bible study. We come together as believers together and exhorting one another. Yeah, that's what needs to take place, to encourage one another, to help one another, to lift one another up. So, yeah, well, I can do that on Sunday morning. I can exhort one another. Was that the only day we're supposed to do that? No. Also says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it says, But exhort one another daily. Oh, daily. Well, how can I do that? Man, with all this uh, stuff that's going on in the world today, how can I go help someone? I can call them up. And that's what I'm doing as a pastor. I call them up. And, and exhort them and encourage them and pray for them and help them to be able to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you need to do that on a daily basis. How I can pray for them. I can pray for them. I can exhort them through my prayers for them. So exhort one another. Help one another to grow. So... Well, why is that important that I strengthen someone in the faith or that I help them to continue in the faith? Why would I want to do that? Well, it goes on and tells us in verse 22, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, I wish God didn't put that in there because I don't like facing tribulations. I don't like to have to go through things. Why can't everything be nice and peaceful and calm and restful and everything be okay and I'm not stressed out and I'm not upset and I'm not fearful. I got everything going fine. Ah, hallelujah. Well, you see, if we were in that state, then we wouldn't need to be able to go out and strengthen and help one another. Mm. So we need to be able to face tribulations. Face tribulations. Now, what does that mean? That means heavy pressure upon the situations in our life. Do you feel that sometimes? It also means a crushing, an unbearable, impossible to survive. Ugh. Yeah, that's what it means. Oh, my God. How can I get through this? Oh, help. Yeah, yeah that's what it means. That's the reason we need to help people to strengthen them in their faith, to exhort them to continue in their faith. Now, why would we be going through that? Because every day we're going to see in the end times in particular that the church is going to be persecuted. We're going to be persecuted. I've always said, if you're not being persecuted, are you really following Jesus? Huh? <laughs> because everywhere Jesus went, he was persecuted. And if you're following him, you're going to find persecution somewhere. Someone's not going to like it. So therefore, we need to 
to strengthen one another. We need to be able to exhort one another because we're going to face things out there in the world that they're going to need help. They're going to need the strength of the Lord. And they're going to need us to be able to stand by them and walk with them and to show them the way and to make them a disciple out in the world. You see, you're not a disciple just to go to church. A disciple is one that walks out there in the world to preach the gospel and to share Jesus. So, oh my gosh, this is getting difficult here. What what in the world? I thought I thought I was in the kingdom of God. I thought I was a citizen of the kingdom. Well, you are. When you accept Jesus Christ, your citizenship now is in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, well, that's great because you know, uh, in Romans chapter uh, fourteen. Verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm in the kingdom. i got a righteousness, peace, and joy. Yes, that's what I've always wanted. Yes, that's what the kingdom of God's all about. All right? What else is the kingdom of God about? Well, it's uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Mm, I got power because, you see, I'm in the kingdom of God. So I got the kingdom of God power. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? So I got the peace and joy. I got power inside of me. Boy, to live this life. Praise God. What else is the kingdom of God about? Well, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. I have, oh man, I have authority to overcome evil. He's going to preserve me from every evil work. Whoa! Isn't that great to be in the kingdom of God? I got joy, I got peace, I got power. I got protection from all evil. Man, I tell you, that's great living in the kingdom of God. So what does what this tribulation stuff have to do with anything? Well, let's turn over to Second Thessalonians. <laughs> oh, I tell you. You see, we've got to look at the whole Word of God. We can't just take the part that we like. <laughs> we've got to look at it in its entirety. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Chapter 1, and I'm going to get there. Oh, i got Second Timothy. No wonder I can't find Second Thessalonians. You see, Frank, you already know where. There we go. I found it. Starting where? With uh, verse 3 and going through verse 5. For we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. Man says he's excited about, you know, the church of Thessalonica. They're growing in their faith. He said they're, they're continuing in their faith. They're, they're walking and following Jesus. They are uh, becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. And they're just loving each other. And they're great to go to church and just love on one another and have a good time in the Lord. That's great. Oh, praise God. So, 
that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Uh, man, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, he was rejoicing in the fact that they were able to endure, to not just get beat down and say, okay, I can't take this anymore. Yes, I've got the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. I've got peace that passes all understanding. Yes, i got the power of God. Hallelujah. I've got the authority of God. And, and, and I'm, I'm preserved from all evil. But there are things in this life that are going to try to attack me and overcome me that i got to keep on going. So Paul was telling the church of Thessalonians, listen, I, I'm grateful for your faith. And I'm glad to see that your faith, that you've grown in your faith, and that you have the patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. You endure. You don't give up. Everything is fine in in your side. You're persevering. You're you're just bearing up. You're, You're just an overcomer. You know, a lot of things are going on in the world. But the inside here, we're set free of everything of the world. And we should be dwelling and walking what's on the inside and not walking what's on the outside. Therefore, when we walk on what's on the inside, we can walk in the patience and faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to overcome any tribulation, any kind of persecution whatsoever. Well, oh, hallelujah. Well, I, that's great. Man, I do that and everything will be instantly fine. No, and what he says either. <laughs> All right, now let's go on in verse 5 in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Which is manifest evidence of righteous judgment that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. You're in the kingdom of God but you're getting there through the sufferings of this life. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not fair. Well, Paul the Apostle wrote to the church of Philippi. You remember what he wrote? And uh, he said it uh, this way in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Yes. Did you think Jesus suffered wherever he went? Yes, he did. Do you think we're going to suffer? Yes, we will. But we overcome just as Jesus overcome. He did not allow it to overcome him. Even hanging on the cross. He, oh, Father. <laughs> yeah. You feel like you're alone. But yet he he did commit himself to do the will of the Father. Remember in the garden? He said, not my will, but yours be done. And he was resurrected from it all. You've got that in your power in you, in your Christ-like DNA inside you, that you are an overcomer, and you'll be resurrected from all of this, even in this lifetime. 
Yes, you'll go right on through. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, God. That's great to know. So, uh, will you want to be a disciple? Well, I don't know now. <laughs> yes, you do, because that's the only life there is. That's the only life that brings the benefits of heaven into your life, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, I ask right now that you go, as Jesus said, we are to go and make disciples. So I ask right now that you go and invest your life into someone else. Invest your life into someone else. Do that. Now, I'm going to finish up here with 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul writing to Timothy here. Ain't it great that Paul would be so that he would encourage Timothy, he would exhort him, he would strengthen him in the faith. You know, he said, I'm right here with you now. I'm, I'm helping you. Every way, shape, and form, I'm helping you, Timothy. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see what he's asking you to do? He's asking you to go and invest what you've learned into other people so that they will invest into others also. <laughs> That's what it's going to happen. It's going to be, you, you may just take one person and invest your life into them, and what are they going to do? They're going to invest their life into someone else, into someone else. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I send out some scriptures to certain people and uh, on a daily basis, and one of the persons that I send it to is a, is a friend of mine that I went to high school with. Wow. <laughs> hey, I lives in Virginia. And what you know what he told me? I'm investing in his life. And he said, I, he said, I'm taking what you send me and I'm sending it out to 25 other people. You see, if you invest into someone's life, you will be able to continue to help someone else invest into other people's lives. So don't be concerned about, well, you know, I only help one person. and that didn't. Well, you did a lot. You invested in that person, and they went and helped up someone else. So that's what Paul the Apostle is saying to Timothy. Now, verse 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are in the army of God, and we're going to endure hardship because we're going to face some battles sometimes, but boy, we're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, don't get involved up with what's going on and, and try to solve all the problems of the world. No, don't do that. You get, 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 get away from that. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. In other words, get involved in the things of Jesus 
and go invest into people's lives to set them free. Isn't that what Jesus did with us? He didn't come and to change uh, all that was going on in the world. He came to change people's lives. And in doing so, then they became disciples, and then they would begin to go and spread, as in the book of Acts. And everywhere they went, they would share with somebody else, and then share with somebody else. And it would just it would be spread all over. You don't have to have a TV ministry to be able to reach thousands and even millions of people. You can just go and share what you can. That person will share what they can. That person will share what they can. Next thing you know, it's gone all over the world. Hallelujah. See, I'm sharing with someone right now down in Cuba. <laughs> I mean, I can't get there. But I can uh, email them, and I can share with them, and I'm encouraging them at all times. So it's going around the world. Someone over in South Korea used to be my neighbor here in this country. Now, you know, no matter what you do, share with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. So I encourage you to do that. That's what they did. That's what Paul and Silas was doing preaching the gospel, strengthening one another, exhorting one another, making disciples. That's our job as well. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon us to go and make disciples. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be full in us that we will proclaim the Word of God no matter what's taking place we will proclaim the Word of God, be bold in the faith to proclaim that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' precious name, we give you praise and honor, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. To every